So, and we'll learn together, right? So nobody's afraid of messing up here. I hope not anyway, because we all miss the mark, right? I've done it so many times in my life and it's helped me to grow. And that's the most beautiful part is that we're in a safe place where we love one another, we care for one another, we're family. And for that reason, we grow together and have a freedom to share and, and um, have God teach us in the midst of that. So um, announcements for this week. Well, we have the offering basket. As you guys know, we always give to the Lord from our hearts because he's the one who we've received everything from. He's worthy of all that we have, first fruits in our hearts and in our lives and in our finances, every part. So um, I don't know if we want to pass the basket around or you know where it is. <laughs> if you want to give to the Lord, you can give before the time, before you leave. Um, uh, we had food pantry yesterday. It was a great time. We do have some extra boxes made up downstairs. So if you're in need of anything, we got a ton of meat in our freezers are overflowing. Praise God with lots of good stuff, chicken strips, chicken patties, and fish sticks, and <laughs> lots of stuff, so, and turkey breasts, and yeah, there's so, so much food down there, um, if you know, if you yourself want some, you're free to get whatever you want or need, and then, yeah, and if you want to give to anybody, if you know anyone who might be in need, there are, s like, eight boxes still made up, and you can take a box to somebody, or whatever, you know, feel free to go down and pick through whatever we have. Um, yeah, such a blessing. And this week, Monday, tomorrow, we are resuming. We have been meeting here for prayer and worship. Um, so we're going to continue doing that. Um, we love to gather. That's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. here um, tomorrow. Yeah, 8 to 6. We can do it earlier. I mean, everybody's free these days for the most part. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah, so that's Monday nights. And then Thursday nights, we also are meeting here um, for Bangor House of Prayer, which is what Joe and Kate are heading up. Um, we're going to be the location for uh, until further notice. Usually it's in bank through what? Till June. So through until June. And usually we typically meet in Bangor, but um, for now we'll be meeting here on Thursdays. And... Do we have a time set we've been kind we've been doing all different times? Yeah. This Thursday. Yeah. So we'll post. We'll post on the page what time we're going to be doing Mondays and Thursdays. We've been a little more flexible with time because of um, everything being shut down and us being able to meet a little earlier. Sometimes it's nicer to pray from 4 to 6 than 6 to 8. Um, so we'll let you know, we'll post that, but typically on Thursdays in Bangor, it's six to eight when, when things are resuming. Um, and those times are so awesome. You don't want to miss out. God is speaking so clearly. There's like open heaven as we worship and people are gathering together to pray and really contend for the region, for God to pour out his spirit here. Um, so it's really exciting. Um, so if you can come at all, that's great. All right, so I'm really excited to talk about this. We're, I don't even know how to start, or I've been praying through a lot. I have a bunch of scriptures here, lots of things on my heart to share, and 
I'm just hoping that the Holy Spirit causes a flow <laughs> to happen, but like he does. So we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to do that and to really um, touch our hearts with your word and, and teach us your ways, God, and, and ignite something in us that's deeper, that's beyond our own capacity, beyond what we can do on our own strength. We need it, Lord, and we love you. So as we were away in Arizona, what a wonderful little vacay we had seeing Tommy's family and stuff. But maybe as some of you have known, if you've gone to a different location, sometimes you can hear God even clearer because you're like away from your natural surroundings and uh, from your distractions, from familiar stuff. And you can just hear God in a different way. And I've experienced that in my life in the different places that I've lived. I've heard God differently and um in different ways and while we were in Arizona uh, there was one day that God began to speak to me about hunger and I was thinking back he was bringing these memories to mind of when I was in high school and I don't know if I've shared this with any of you before some of you knew me in high school but I was crazy in high school Uh, like crazy in a good way and crazy in probably not a great way just an immature way but Part of my craziness was my hunger for God, and there was a lot of immaturity in that, but I had real hunger for God, and it drove me in everything that I did, every decision that I made, every, I remember I was um, like a sports fanatic, I did sports every single season, whatever sport there was, I did it, but beyond that, so I'd do school, sports, and then every night, I would go to any prayer thing, any worship thing, any gathering of believers. If there was a work project that Youth Storm, the the internship or the ministry was doing, I wanted to be there because I was hungry to know God more. And that was that was the source. That was the deepest part. You know, we we each hunger for different things in our lives and, and crave and long for things in our lives, but. Um, something in me at that time was this sincere hunger for more of God. I had to know him because I didn't feel like I really did. I, I needed to get re- revelation of who he was. I couldn't get enough of his word. I wanted to be in the book day and night and night and day. Every time I opened it up, I, I felt like I was coming alive with the things that I was reading. Like, oh my gosh, I we get to know this God. We get to know him. Look what he's saying, the promises, the truth. It was literally setting me free and washing me and it was such a deep hunger to know him I remember um, Joe and I think you guys have met Josiah before when they came they were in the internship as leaders when I came around or maybe in the internship I'm not sure but I was kind of a little crazy so I would sneak follow them around just to listen to what they were saying because in their conversations together they were discussing the word they were they were further along in their walk than I was, and I was so hungry for that that I remember like noting that they were not in the room and going to try to find them. Now that sounds like creepy, stalkerish, <laughs> um, and maybe it came across that way, but the, what, what was driving that was hunger. And the point here is to say that when we hunger after God, we w- you'll go to any length to get more of him, to seek after him, to, to allow him to fill that place. 
And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how the greatest desire in my life today is to run with a company of people who hunger for God, whose longings, whose desires are set on one thing. And it's what he's doing in his church. He's stirring up hunger and thirst and, uh, and allowing us to see that nothing else can satisfy, right? Nothing in this world can satisfy. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the first time I moved to Haiti. When I first moved to Haiti, it was so much culture shock. I moved into a Haitian-run orphanage. I was the only person who spoke English. There I ate twice a day, once at 7 a.m. and once at 4 p.m., the same thing every single day. There was a limited amount of water. There w- I was stretched in so many ways. It was so hot every day. There's no fans. There's no air conditioning. It's just I had no friends. I had no company. I had no one to talk with. And I remember praying and crying literally every single day in my room. Maybe I've shared that before as well. A very difficult, challenging time in my life. I cried out to God because uh, I needed him to satisfy me because everything literally in the natural had been stripped away. And it was in that moment I remember praying one day and asking God to come and to touch me and I uh, woes you know I was just expressing all my woes to God woe is me for this and self-pity that and uh, oh God why would you call me to this like awful place this is so hard and the Lord spoke to me so clearly in this moment and he said Wesley you've always called me your peace but right now in this situation where you actually need me to be your peace you're realizing I'm not your peace what you have satisfied yourself with is the comforts of this world and they've provided a sense of peace and that was food that was being cool (laughs) and not hot and um, that was being able to have whatever food I wanted at whatever time I needed that was me having enough water for what I needed for water and he spoke to me there and said Wesley if I'm your peace, then right now in this moment where you lack every comfort, where everything has been stripped away from you and you feel like you're on the rocks and everything is shaken, I come in and I'm actually your peace. You have access to peace right here. Like, are you hungering after me or have you been satisfied with the things around you, the comforts around you, the things in your life have provided this false sense of dependency on me? And I was so convicted in that moment, like, wow, oh my gosh, for years I've said, God is my peace. God is the only one who can do this. And I, I wanted to believe that, right? I, I, wanted, I knew that here. I wanted to believe it here. But when reality came in, I was shaken when everything was taken away, when all of the comforts of this world were taken away. It shook me to my core and caused me to be desperate. And I think that's, that's something that, I was, he led me to Matthew 5, 6. That was the first scripture that came to mind when I think of hunger. This is Jesus on the mountain talking uh, to the disciples and those that gathered, crowds gathered, and he says, in the New American Standard, it says, blessed are those who are hungry, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And in the Amplified, which expounds, just kind of gives more of a full meaning of some of those words, says, blessed, fortunate, and happy, and spiritually pros- prosperous in the state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation 
are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness and right standing with God, for they shall be completely satisfied, fully, wholly, completely satisfied when we set our hunger and thirst on one thing. And then in in my Bible, it gives a cross-reference to another amazing verse, Isaiah 55. And many of us know this scripture. Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Everyone who thirsts, in the Amplified, it says, wait and listen. Wait and listen. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and eat. Come, buy priceless spiritual wine and milk without money and without price, simply for the self-surrender that accepts the blessing. Why do you spend your money for which is not bread and your earnings for what does not satisfy Hearken diligently to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness, the profuseness of spiritual joy. That is what we are satisfied in, spiritual joy. He's saying, come to me. I am the source of life. I am the source of every living thing. Come, all who are thirsty, all who are hungry, come and I will satisfy you. But we have to get to the place of, of setting our hungers on the right things. And I wanna, I'm going to end with one more verse and then another passage. And, and Tommy's going to come up here and share what, what the Lord gave him. But in Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. You know, this is interesting. Before we even came to Maine, God put the scripture in my heart when I, uh, when I pray, God, what's a, what's a word for the community in Maine? And what are you going to do in Maine? He put this on my heart, and it led me back to this verse as I was meditating on this. And it's the, the title here in the New American is Israel's Morning t- Turn to Joy. And this is where God meets them in the wilderness, and he turns it around, and he makes it a spring of life. That's what our God does. And it says, at that time, declares the Lord, I will be God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Those, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When it, when it, Israel, when it went to find its rest, the Lord t- appeared to him f- afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Again, I will build you, and you will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your tambourines and go forth to the dances of the merrymakers. You will plant your vineyards. The planters will plant and will enjoy them. For there will be a day when watchmen on the hills of Ephraim call out, Arise and let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness, shout among the chief of the nations, proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, saves your people, the remnant. Behold, I am bringing them forth 
from the north country, and I will gather them from the remotest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame and the woman with child, and she who's in labor with child together, a great company. They will return here. With weeping, they will come. I will make them walk by streams of water on a straight path on which they will not stumble, for I am a father to Israel and to Ephraim, my firstborn. And it goes on to say that he redeemed them from the hand of him who is stronger than him. They will come. They will shout for joy. They'll be radiant over, this is verse 12, radiant over the bounty of the Lord, over the grain, the new wine, and the oil, over the young flock. So it's just talking about the abundance of our God. They're returning from this place of wilderness and captivity to this place of abundance where God is all that they need. And in verse 4, it's like it, the picture it's painting for us is rejoicing. Their lives, their mouths are filled with laughter, with songs. They're dancing, rejoicing before God. And in 14, he says, I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. He wants to satisfy us with his goodness. And he's calling us to hunger after and to realize that our hungers are, you know, so many times we set them on such temporal things. I'm reading this book right now. It's called Surfing for God. And it's about uh, one man's uh, recovery from the addiction of pornography. And it's an incredible, incredible read. And I'm gonna, he's, a, he's a pastor who helps many, many men right now. He was hiding for many years in his addiction to pornography. And I'm going to read one thing um, that he writes. He's very open in this book. But I'm going to end on this point here. Yeah. And he quotes in the beginning from John 1.38. What do you want, says Jesus of Nazareth. What do you want? So he says, this is him speaking. He's telling a story. Can we spend some time together, Larry, I asked. I'm struggling with sexual temptation, and I'd like to talk with you about it. While serving a postgraduate internship with author and psychologist Larry Crabb, I'd finally summoned the courage to ask for help. Fortunately, he said yes. Unfortunately, I applied the 97% rule which states that when sharing with a fellow Christian about your sexual sin, you make sure you never share the most intimate 3%. Despite my outright deception, our conversation planted seeds in my heart that could not bear fruit until they were buried in the ground and dead. I'm really, really struggling with lust and wanting to look at pornography, I admitted. But then I had done a whole lot more than that. But by being transparent was being a, a big deal for me. Larry could see I was torn over my struggle, so he asked me some probing questions about my life story and sexual history. At the end of our conversation, he caught me totally off guard. He said, if what you really want to do is look at porn, he said, then go ahead and look at porn. Yeah, right, like I'm really going to do that, I chuckled cynically. Larry just looked at me, dead serious, and repeated himself. If what you really want to do is look at porn and masturbate, then go ahead and do it. I could tell he wasn't being flippant, 
but I also knew his integrity. So I launched back at him. I know this might be some kind of reverse psychology and paradoxical treatment you're trying on me, right? The look on his face, however, told me this was not his intention. I don't get it, I exclaimed. Why are you telling me to go ahead and look at porn? In frustration, I hit my fist against the armchair and shouted, that's not what I want to do. Larry's eyes sparkled with delight. Exactly, he cheered. That's the point. Looking at pornography and masturbating is not what you really want to do. I was speechless. Could it really be true? Despite my out-of-control passions, could a passion for God inside of me run deeper than my desire for sex and for porn? For the first time in my life, I felt truly hopeful and that my heart was not defined by lust, that something good, noble, and godly dwelled within me that was not based on my performance, faithfulness, or even resistance to temptation. And he goes on in this chapter to, I hope you've heard that, and, and I know sometimes it's hard when someone's reading a story, but the whole point was he was saying, I'm struggling with my desire to do this. And, and the point that Larry Crabb said, well, then go ahead and do it if that's what you really want to do. And it got him to realize that's not what I really want to do. What I really want to do is something so much deeper. I want to follow God. I hunger for the spiritual satisfaction that cannot be found in anything else. And the point here today is to say so many of us have these things that we are hungering after on the surface, but deeper down it reveals that we actually hunger for something greater, and God is the only one that can fulfill that place. For this man, he was looking to pornography, and sex, his whole life, if you read his story, incredible, the things that he did to fulfill something inside of him until he realized that his deeper hunger, his deeper longing was for God and that he needed to give in to his hunger. He needed to give in to his desire that was deeper than any surface thing. And so many, many of us have those surface things. We, uh, we hunger for attention affirmation, money. I, I mean, I don't think any of us in here drugs or alcohol, but there are people that that is their struggle. That is their, their surface hunger, their surface longing. That's actually deep down, not what they really want because we've been created with this desire and longing inside of us to know God and to be satisfied by him. And it's time in this hour for us to realize that is in us and we must give in to the greatest hunger inside of us, which is for God, which is for his word, which is for his presence. And to allow ourselves to give in to a hunger and that will push us into something so much greater. So many times our language or our thoughts are, if I just had this, I would be okay. If I just had this, you know, life would be okay. Life would be good. But deep down, there's only one thing that can satisfy. Just like my story from Haiti. I couldn't have any of those things. None of those things could truly satisfy me. At, at the bare basis of all things, when everything's stripped away, one thing can satisfy 
And it says in here in Jeremiah 31, 14, my people will be satisfied with my goodness. And that's my prayer in this season. I believe that's what God's doing. He's awakening hunger in us, thirst, where nothing else can even come close to him. Well, he's matchless. His presence is matchless. That, that when we compare uh, gathering together to worship and to praise and to be in his presence, or when we compare gathering in prayer or, or around his word or to hear what he's saying to anything else, to food, to television, to, to comforts, to vacation, to whatever it is that our, our, our surfacing uh, thirst for, that we would say, this is matchless. Nothing even comes close to my desire and hunger for God and his presence and his goodness and his word. It consumes me night and day so that every decision I make is around this one thing. I have to know him and I have to have more of him. Everything else is lesser than it pales in comparison to this deep hunger inside of us it's deep and he wants it to come up and consume us Holly do you want to come she either remembered what I wrote in my journal or we're just on the same page but uh, that's how God is right he speaks a confirming word so like I, what, I, what I'm about to share is just very, it's going to be a little repetitive, but I swear we didn't converse over uh, these things. So I was sitting the other day, um, and my thought began with a BMW. My, uh, a friend of mine came over to my, my parents' house, and uh, he was driving uh, a 335i with, like, bronze 19s on it. It was, th it was sick, dude. It was white with, oh, man. With the wheels, just the color combo was phenomenal. Had carbon fiber trim on the interior. It was sick. Um, very nice vehicle. And I was I was sitting there, and the uh, the thought struck me that it needs to be so real, more than just something we know in our head, right? Like Wes was saying, it needs to be so real that there is something greater than these things on Earth. Like there is absolutely nothing wrong with BMWs and having having nice possessions or whatever, but um, I'm going to read a few verses here that just point to Jesus telling us there's so much, there's something so much better than what we have here, and it's, um, and it needs to become a reality, and it's not, for so long I've just looked at it like, oh, I'm just doing my part, sacrificing what I desire, and denying my desires and stuff like that so I can have God to satisfy me. And that's part of it is true, but the, the, the truth is that we need to realize that there's something so much greater that we're going to love so much better than any physical belonging, material possessions. So let me just read a, a few scriptures here um, that I was kind of meditating on to go along with this. So uh, in Matthew six nineteen, it says, Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
treasures in heaven. That's something different than being satisfied in God. There's something there that we have, we will have. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. And we need to get to this place where we, we are satisfied in God and that is our deepest desire and we won't be satisfied with anything else. But we need to know that there is something greater that will be like treasures in heaven is just some uh, like something that I'm I've been thinking about. I'm like, we're not just gonna get to heaven and sit around and do nothing. Like there's gonna be so much for us that God desires to give us. In Matthew 19, verse 29 says, "And everyone, this is Jesus speaking, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake." will receive many times as much. He's talking about things. And will inherit eternal life. So eternal life and we will receive many times as much when we leave our, our houses, our farms. Well, I don't know if any of us have farms right now, but he's just talking about possessions, our earthly comforts. And I just want to read two more scriptures here to go along. Um, this is from Timothy. Actually, I'm going to skip this one. I'm going to go on to this one of Philippians. It kind of hits the nail in the coffin of what my point is. It says here, for there are many, this is Philippians 3.18, for there are many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. How serious is that? Who live as enemies, Siri just thought I was talking to her. I said serious. I, I <laughs> uh, who live as enemies of the cross of Christ, rejecting and opposing his way of salvation, whose fate is destruction, whose God is their belly, which is their, or their worldly appetite, their sensuality, their vanity, and whose glory is in their shame, who focus their mind on earthly and temporal things. They're enemies of the cross. That is insanely serious sobering and puts the fear of the lord in me where i'm like man i i have to it has to become a reality that there is something so much greater that we're living for and it just it just these things cannot be distractions in our life you know um yeah and like i said they're they're not bad things to desire nice cars and nice houses and cool gadgets and the latest iPhone that comes out or whatever. It's not, they're not bad things. Jesus was pointing towards the heart where it says, don't put your heart in there. Like that's, it's, there's something so much greater for you. And I was, when I was thinking about this the other day with the, with the car and, and like how he's put these, like he's designed us in such a way where we appreciate these cool things that man has made like he man made this incredible little device here that does so many things that captivates me and man designed bmws which whose curves are are incredible and the colors combinations the style it's aerodynamics 
like man made those. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we experience something that God himself has created? It's just going to be s- far better. So that's kind of what I, what I was thinking the other day. So with that said, do you have anything else? Jay, you got something? That's true. He's constantly creating. <laughs> yep, he'll be living with tons of dogs probably, and they'll all be perfectly trained. I'm so impressed by you guys and how you've trained your animals. We talk about it all the time now. We're like, these guys, they like move their finger, and their dogs like know exactly what to do. So anyway, that's off track. But um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the word you've you've spoken to us, and uh, I just pray that you would um, help us to apply these things to our lives, Lord. I I read something earlier this week on online that said uh, it was a quote that said something like this: said the the devil doesn't care if you you read the word and you and you pray and you hear all these cool things he's not going to bother you unless you start applying it to your life and um so god i just ask that you would help us to apply these things to our life to help us to grow and mature set our mind on um on you and what you have for us god on spiritual things not on earthly things Lord, that's where our treasure will be, God. We thank you for that. Bless us this week. I just pray for health for everyone. I pray that everyone would, um, their immune systems would be strong and uh, we would, this sickness stuff would end in Jesus' name. There's something more for each of us, and I just want to end with that, too. Like, there's something that God has more for each of us, and so don't let that pass you by, because we are storing up treasures in heaven, like he said. There's something so much greater that we're living for eternity. Like, this life passes like this, and we're living for eternity, and there's so much that we do now that affects eternity, which is incredible to think about. Don't let it pass you by obtain all that God has for you. Let your hunger for him consume and overtake any other lesser hunger. And and I w- let's do that together as a community. That's individually for each of us to know God more, to let who he is consume us and to recognize that any of those fleshly desires are really just surface level things and we each have this deeper God-given desire in us for more. Let those things take over and because it tr- it really will transform the ways that we live, the ways that we gather together, when we gather together. And that's the exciting part for me. Like, I am so excited for each one of us to grow in our hunger for God so that when we meet together, there's just this, like, bam of community of people who are hungry for God and who will not rest until we see him in the earth touching the lives of all those around us. That's what I'm living for. 
That's what I want to see. That's what we're laboring for. When we gather for worship and prayer a couple of times a week, it's not just like, that should not be seen as like, oh, boring. Like, I really don't want another service throughout the week. Like, that's the wrong mindset. We're, in, we're joining together to encounter God and to hear what he's saying and release it in the earth. It is like the greatest privilege, exciting thing like we're, that we're doing. And if we, we need our mindsets to be changed by this hunger that's deep inside of us where we recognize all that we're doing affects everything spiritually and into eternity. And that's the greatest joy. And that's real hunger where we say, I've got to have it. I've got to have more of him. So that's our prayer. That's what we've been praying for this community. We do pray for each of you by name, for your families, for, for each person in this community. Thankfully, we can still do that. Hopefully, if we grow ever, we'll still be doing that. <laughs> but right now, we do. We do pray weekly for each one of you to encounter God in deeper ways because we know that that is the one thing that changes everything is when we each come to know him in a greater way. So that's our prayer for you. And if you... If you want to gather more, if you want to do something that you think will stoke your hunger, we'll do it. Just let us know, whatever it is. That's what we're here for. We want to fan the flame, you know, whatever it is it's in your heart to do, or just join something that's already happening. So, amen. And happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I know this is not the typical Mother's Day um, word. We didn't talk about women. Women are awesome, <laughs> and mothers are amazing. So, yeah, that's all. Amen. Have a great week. And yeah.